The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor teacher, Harry Reeder. If you've got your copies of God's Word, uh, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. I'm going to make some connections to our series on Sunday night that we're doing eternity and biblical perspective tonight. But uh, I was away and kind of operating uh, uh, when I was away from my sister's funeral. I was I had forgot that we were having our installation and found out when I got back. So I had to make an adjustment. But I am going to be able tonight to kind of re, uh, refer back to this new series. And in fact, both of them, the stewardship series, uh, lifestyle stewardship that we're doing on Sunday morning, as well as uh, this matter of eternity and biblical perspective, because it weaves appropriately in in this text that God laid upon my heart uh, to do tonight uh, as the sermon for the installation and ordination of our elders and deacons. Now, let me go ahead and say, I know we have visitors here tonight, and it's great to have you here. Perhaps you've got a loved one that's uh, becoming an officer of the church and uh, being ordained and installed. And so you're in the context of uh, something that we uh, readily acknowledge, um, and that is a doctrine of the church. We call it ecclesiology. That is how the church is to be governed and framed and cared for from the Word of God. Now, these contain doctrines about church government. That's why, by the way, that's why we're called Presbyterian. Presbyterian, uh, that comes from the word presbyter. In your Bible, it, presbyter is translated elder. And uh, so it means government by elders. And then the elders are assisted by deacons. The early church was overwhelmed with the numbers in Jerusalem. It was probably about eighteen to 19,000 because you had 3,000 and 5,000 and everyday people being converted. And that was just counting the men, the 3,000 and the 5,000. And so the church was overwhelmed. These apostles were overwhelmed as they were operating as the elders of the church. And so when they ran into problems, they said, you know, we need help. And they raised up deacons. And the deacons focused on the administration of the church, the stewardship of the church, and the mercy ministry of the church that then freed the elders up to make their focus upon the shepherding and discipling and teaching of the church, which freed up the teaching elders or the ministers of the word to focus upon what they were supposed to do. Now, this is how the church is governed, and uh, it's a secondary doctrine. In other words, you can get this one wrong and still be saved. That's my favorite line is, in other words, you don't have to be a Presbyterian to get to heaven. Uh, if you're here tonight and you're not one, I'd ask you to pray about it because maybe you don't want to take a chance. And uh, you want to really think about this. But, um, but, that, but because a doctrine is secondary does not mean that it's unimportant. 
All scripture is inspired by God and profitable. And we fully recognize their secondary and tertiary doctrines. That is, doctrines that are not essential to get right for salvation in Christ and the gospel. That's why the Bible says, I deliver to you that which is of first importance, the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15. Well, if something is of first importance, that tells you that other things are of what? Second importance. That doesn't mean unimportant. It just means of secondary importance. And church government falls into that category. But that doesn't mean it is unimportant for the well-being of the Lord's people. And that's why I wanted to take just a few moments to lay out for our elders and deacons just a couple of thoughts. I can't cover the whole waterfront in 20 minutes. But I do want to, I do want to bring a couple of things to bring your focus into this area. And I want to do it from the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is a glorious book that was written to tell the Hebrews who had become believers, listen, don't look back to the old covenant. That the purpose of the old covenant has been fulfilled in Christ. Now you're in the better covenant. Now you're in the new covenant. Now you're in the fulfillment of all that God has promised. You don't have Moses. You've got the one Moses is pointing to, Jesus. You don't have Aaron. You've got the one that Aaron was pointing to, Jesus. You don't have Melchizedek. You've got the one Melchizedek is pointing to, Jesus. You don't have the offerings. You don't have the rituals. You don't have the, um, uh, you don't have the various burnt offerings, free will. You don't have all of those because now you've got Jesus, who is the fulfillment of everything. And God has finally spoken in his son. And it's the glory of the fulfillment of the new covenant in Christ. And then when he ends it, he ends the epistle with a series of exhortations. In fact, he gives ten exhortations in chapter 13. Do not try to find them right now, because I just want to show you one of them. Just one of the ten that he gives, and after he gives these ten exhortations, he then gives the benediction that you find in verse uh, 20. But I want you to see one of those ten exhortations that conclude the book of Hebrews. Look at verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. They are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. But that would be of no advantage to you. Now, here is a passage that speaks to this congregation. In just a moment, you will have the opportunity to publicly affirm your submission to the elders. Now, granted, all authority that is delegated by the Lord is limited. Anytime an elder would give you direction that would be contrary to God's word, you must obey God rather than man. But we enter into the relationship submitting ourselves to the Lord by submitting to the Lord's working in the governance of his church through his officers. And so this 
passage tells you to obey. This passage tells you to obey, and you do it in a way that gives them joy. Now listen, folks, I'm not going into any details, but I've uh, now been in the ministry 40 plus years, and there have been moments in the ministry when you're trying to lead God's people, and their response does not exactly bring joy to your heart and your soul. There are some challenging times in the church of Jesus Christ. And won't it be wonderful when we live together in glory? But living down here, that's another story. We've got some challenges in our relationships because we're sinners saved by grace. But overall, and I know I am just a blessed man and pastor to serve the Lord in this congregation. But overall, we want to do this. Here's what he says. Obey your leaders and submit to them. These are the ones who are keeping watch over your souls as those who were given account. And you want to do it in such a way that they will do their task as officers with joy and not with groaning. That they are grateful for the calling that they have. And God's people are upholding them in prayer and obedience and submission. And encouragement in the Lord. I won't give. Uh, I've had the privilege to pastor three churches. Uh, Miami, Florida. Um, uh, three year pastorate. And then on to Charlotte. I actually planted a daughter church of Briarwood in Charlotte. Uh, from ni- uh, <laughs> 1983 to 1999. And then the Lord called me here. But before all of that. While I was in seminary and uh, going through my degrees, I had the privilege to be a student pastor in an independent church. And um, and I had um, one guy and his wife that started coming. I will say to this day, he is the most negative man I have ever met in my life. He was just not just negative, cynical. And, uh, you know, and I just kind of got like sick him to a bulldog. I just said, you know, we're going to turn this thing around. So I set up meeting with him once a week at Shoney's at the foot of Lookout Mountain. I can still remember it. That Shoney's appropriately has now been torn down. But I would meet with him. And after about five weeks, this is the honest truth. I would get out of my car, I would look in and see where he was sitting, and I literally, before I opened the door, would take a deep breath. Lord, get me through this. And I'd get in there, and I would say something positive, he would say something negative. I'd say something positive, he'd say something negative. Well, finally, he won. And uh, I was so discouraged, I was thinking about leaving the ministry and leaving everything possible. And it's just one of those things that was so discouraging. Well, listen, folks, you need to be honest with your officers and your leaders. If you're struggling with things, if you've got questions about things, certainly we want to have transparency and honesty and meaningful communication. But we can always do it in a spirit of encouragement. We can always do it with a heart of obedience. We can always do it anticipating and giving the judgment of charity to our officers as they serve us in the Lord. But in the midst of all of this, he's saying something else. While this is aimed at followers, there's something interesting that's, if if you're not careful, you miss it in the text. He's telling the officers of the church 
something essential about what you are in, in the next few moments are going to be installed and ordained to do. What is it? Look at what he says. He says that they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Well, elders and deacons who come alongside the elders, pastors who serve under the direction of the elders. What this passage is telling us, there are multiple things that the church has upon its heart. But what you are essentially being set aside to do is to keep watch over the souls of your people. Why that language? He is telling you that the church is essentially a ministry of spiritual health and vitality. That doesn't mean we're not concerned whether people have something to eat or drink. It doesn't, that's not what it means. It does mean our focus is on the spiritual vitality of the well-being of those in our charge. We keep watch over their souls. It's interesting. Bruce and I were talking about this. Uh, we both, I think about within the same week, ran across the old movie, Sully, uh, that was made by Clint Eastwood concerning the U.S. Air, at that time U.S. Air pilot, who, when he got up, had a bird strike, lost both engines uh, coming out of LaGuardia, and had to turn around and just land the plane in the Hudson River. It was just an extraordinary thing uh, that he did. And, um, and when he said, give me the count, here's what they said. All 178 souls are accounted for. All interesting language, isn't it? If you'll go back and read the news reports when the Titanic went down and the number of souls that were lost at sea. Why that language? That language is there because of the past prevalence in our culture of a Christian world and life view. And that is, we know what sets men and women apart. If you can get beyond the foolishness of Darwinian atheistic evolution, if you can get beyond that and realize you are made imago Deo. You are made in the image of God. But God is a spirit. He doesn't have a body. Your body comes in the image of your parents. But your bearing of God's image is your soul. That's what makes you, you. When God made Adam from the dust of the ground, he was a corpse. Until he breathed into him the nephesh. And then it said, Adam became a living soul. If I may tie into the series that I'll be doing on Sunday night. What is death? It is the separation of the soul from the body. Something that was never created to be separated. The soul and the body. They're like two threads woven into one cloth. And so death is that unnatural 
separation of the soul from the body, which is why Jesus tells us, don't fear those who can kill the body. You fear only the one who can kill the soul. That's what makes you, you. So elders, the people that we pastor have a soul that is in need of nourishment. That doesn't mean we're uncaring about physical issues. I did not say that. But it does tell us we care for their souls. Because that from their soul is how they deal with the issues of a broken life, a broken body, a broken world. How do you deal with all of the brokenness that sin has brought? It comes from a soul that is well nourished. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And we do it by keeping watch over them. Now, our forebears, Mr. Uh, Mr. Elders, our forebears used to have to get on a horse or a carriage and go from person to person to person. And we still need to have that visitation face to face, touch to touch. But just think of all the ways that God has given us to stay in touch, to keep watch, to stay in contact with God's people. Keep watch. Do you hear the language of a shepherd? That's what a shepherd does. Keeping watch over their flock by night. So we long to be faithful shepherds underneath our great shepherd, Jesus Christ. To keep watch over the souls of our people. Not only because that's how they're made in the image of God. Not only because that's the key to vitality in their life in a broken world. But also one day their body will be laid aside. And absent from the body, present with the Lord. And we want them on that day to be ready. We want to make them ready for that day. Ready because they know Jesus is Lord and Savior. Ready because when that day comes, they're ready to meet him. There is coming a day, if Jesus doesn't come first, there is coming a day when everybody here is going to get up one morning and not get back to that bed or there may come a time where they don't get up that morning now I lay me down to sleep I pray the Lord my soul to keep I'm ready to meet the Lord and we have the instruments as elders Personal contact, keeping watch, prayer, preaching, discipling, shepherding, visiting. Oh, the day of visitation. When those who represent Christ come into the lives of those whom they keep watch over before the Lord. By the way, you remember this morning I started a series on what? Okay, eight of you got the series this morning. Wonderful. I started a series on stewardship. Now, what's one of the elements of stewardship? Accountability. Now, my dear brothers, we are accountable for our office. Notice what he says. We have 
to answer. We have to answer to the Lord. We have to answer for what we, here's what he says. Keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. That's what God has called us to do. It's an awesome thing. I will confess to you, my particular job, of course, and multiple things I'm called to do alongside of you. But one thing I'm called to do that you uh, call me to do, you even give part of the sacred tithe for me to do it, is to work hard at preaching and teaching. And I know how uh, that's why Saturday nights just don't go well for me. Because I know what's ahead. I know what that means. And I pray for you because I know what it means when you pray over a decision. Those four people that you are shepherding directly or that congregational community that you're overseeing. I know what that is and that sacred calling that's there. And in a sense, we would almost want to run from it because we've got to give an account. But don't do that. Don't run from it. Run to it. The great shepherd will help you. You'll do it imperfectly. You'll do it unevenly. But run to the people of God. They need you as physicians of their soul. Deacons, you have no idea what you do, not only in mercy... But in stewardship and administration, that's crucial. May I just be this blunt? We're having people coming in for our Embers to a Flame conference next week. Would you like to know how many churches are struggling that come here? And when I get to talking to them, part of the problem is, is the pastor is having to do the work of the elders. And the elders are doing the work of the deacons. And the deacons just don't have any work to do. But if we, if I could put it this way, if we get the deacons deacon and the elders elding and the pastors pastoring and shepherding and preaching and teaching and equipping, then that's how people's souls can be ministered to. Now, you've got a choice. You can sit in a pew and critique. Or you can submit and obey and encourage those who keep watch over your soul. And for those being ordained, we can run from or we can run to. I met a guy at my sister's funeral. And uh, his name was Frank Danelli. He was a high school football coach. And he was talking about a moment in his, uh, Terry Johnson, the pastor, introduced me to him. And he talked about this moment where his team that was just, Outmanned, outgunned, somehow got to the fourth quarter. Somehow they were only five points behind. Somehow there was three seconds left on the clock and they were on the two-yard line. And he called timeout. And he went out. Now, if you're a coach and you're on the two-yard line and you've only got one play, you're looking at your ball handlers, right? And as he looked in the huddle... All of his ball handlers avoided his eyes. (laughs) They were all looking down, looking away, except one. He said, I'll never forget it. He said, hanging out of his mouth was his mouth guard, but with clear eyes, 
He looked at his coach. Didn't say a word. Just took two fingers. I'm ready. Give me the ball. Satan has, Satan has mounted an attack in this culture against evangelical Christianity. We don't need to run from it. We need to run to it. And just by the grace of God, not with arrogance, just say to the Lord, give me the ball. I'm ready to do my part. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the moments that we could be together in your word. Thank you for this life and death ministry that brings the glorious message of life, vitality of life to the soul now, fitting of the soul for eternity then, and the caring of the soul throughout life, even in this very present age. Father, I pray for those who now take this charge, and I thank you for them. Help them to rely upon you even as they step forward to serve you. Fill them to overflowing for the sake of Christ and to the glory of Christ. And Father, thank you so much for the legacy of our pastors, from our founding pastor from the, to our founding elders, and now into our 60th year. Oh God, even as we just sung, you have been good to us. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reeder, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.